so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. The brief era of cautious optimism is over. On Owl's AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent, normal service is resumed. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I should be, by all rights, drinking a big, beefy 10% Imperial Stout or maybe just straight whiskey to get through the game recaps for this week. But I'm instead just drinking a little bit of uh, bitters and tonic. So... Being in Connecticut, I am a polar seltzer and tonic man, so I'm drinking premium polar tonic water with the Bitter Truths Aromatic Bitters, because Angostura is a registered trademark. (laughs) I'm not thrilled about it. There is a slight amount of alcohol in it from the bitters, Uh, and a very appropriate drink for uh, this week's show. Also on the line is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? I've got a right concoction today, Jeff. Oh, I basically poured, <laughs> basically just poured everything in my fridge into one big glass. It's been that kind of week. So I have, um, in this order, uh, vodka, rum, and hurricane cocktail mix. So all bets are off. Any uh, New Jersey iced tea? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call it. It's a caucus iced tea. I thought we were going to joke about Yoss's uh, lineup changes with that concoction. <laughs> As you might tell, all of our uh, regulars begged off recording about these two games. So we had to call in a West Coaster, one Mike LaRue and our Portland Owl. Mike, what are you drinking? Uh, tonight I have from the Avid Cider Company in Bend, Oregon, their uh, apricot cider, which is a nice fall drink, but not nearly bitter enough for uh, tonight's cost. Yes, two bitter results to recap. We'll go over the Burrow game with a brief highlight as Adam Reach's goal of the season competition with himself continues. With his right foot this time, which I think adds a degree of difficulty. Then a poor midweek performance against QPR to also talk about. Very enthused. Then injury woes. It wouldn't be a Sheffield Wednesday podcast without a litany of injury updates not many for the better since we do have two mls aficionados on the show we will do some dispatches from american soccer as once again i guess we, this has got to be almost our one year anniversary and we started uh this podcast with patty potentially slandering wayne rooney but he has some nice things to say about him this week apparently then we will premiere or preview mm-hmm. the birmingham city game on saturday go over our meetups and sign off but you know we have to this is this is what we do we podcast about this team and we're going to soldier on with the Middlesbrough match some changes to the lineup Joey P in for Anoma Fletch and Jow start up front was that the right call Patty um I think Fletch and Jow were I think um that's the, probably the best fit top two we have at the moment. Whether that's a good thing or not is is out for um, out for discussion. Um, Pelopessi and for Anoma, I think he got some flack this at first, didn't it? Because um, Anoma had a really good game before the international break, and he's been playing really well. So it was a bit of a surprise to see Pelopessi in. I think Joey P put himself about quite a lot again. Um, I think he's he's growing in my estimations. But this game was really crying out for Anoma's drive as it had zero get up and go about it. It was so low tempo. I think Anoma could have changed that um, a little bit at least. But yeah, I think um wasn't too upset with that lineup. I think part of the issue, I know there's a huge outcry for starting Palapesi here, but realistically, I, you know, Anoma started for the England youth side midweek. Yas has been fairly protective of his young players in general and and likes to rotate a fair amount if maybe not quite as much as Carlos and with three games in eight days coming up I don't have a huge uh, problem with it but I mean it didn't really seem like it mattered in the first half one way or the other Mike it was just kind of a dull plotting affair 
It was one of the more uneventful um, first halves of, of football that we've seen all year. Um, you know, there were a couple breaks. I think that, you know, I have some notes where I said Matt Penny really did make a nice cross at the beginning. And I saw where, um, you know, Adam Reach was actually, you know, getting in. And, you know, he had that header that just kind of went off the top. But, um, you know, refreshing to see Adam Reach get inside. But, um, but yeah, it was really one of the more um, completely uneventful and unnoteworthy uh, 45 minutes of soccer. It just shows the lack of quality in this year's championship, I think. It's, it's, I mean, that, too I think many it games. shows that Tony Poulos still has his Tony Poulos <laughs> But I've seen too many games. I know we're not the best-looking team either around at the moment, but too many games where there's, there's mislaid passes and it's just a bit slow. And I don't know. I think any one time in the championship might be two good, two good teams uh, on form. Then those two good teams will be off form for the next six weeks uh, following that. So... It really is open. I mean, we've had a bad week, right? But we're still like three points in the playoffs, something stupid like that. It's it's not the end of the world. Um, and there's there's twelve, maybe fifteen, average at best teams that we're in that pool of at the moment. Like we said earlier in the season, it's it's not the end of the world. We had some couple of bad results, but I mean, there's some shit teams this year. I mean, I think looking at Middlesbrough, did they have the best performance I've seen out of a Wednesday opponent this year? No, but I do think they are like, Pulis gets the league, they're set up to do basically what they did, they're well organized, they're tough to break down, you know, Asambalanga's putting himself about, you know, Downing's pretty good crosser of the ball they have the tools to just sort of grind out results and probably get out of this league I don't remember if I predicted them to get out of this league or not at the beginning of the season, but at some point, I actually need to go back to listen to that segment and put together a spreadsheet, but maybe I'll deal with that in May. It just was, I thought we handled things pretty well in the first half. Like, it was, it was cagey, I think is sort of the pundit term here. Is there some feeling out? But I felt like going into the break, they could get a result out of it. And then, Mike, the second half did not start great. No, uh, and like I say, I was, it, it was as bored as it was as, at the first half. It was at least exciting that you know this could end in a draw, um, which I think I would have been happy walking away with that. But um, you know that first goal, and I think what I appreciated most about the first goal that went against us was seeing how animated Barry Bannon was afterwards. He was not happy with it, um, and you know, anyway, I know we're going to talk about the second goal, which will which will bring up a much bigger point about defense and who's on. The- Field, but yeah, I, I mean, there was just um, it just looks like a lot of players out of position. And I think that we're going to get to this theme. I know we're going to talk about this later on the constant change in lineups, um, where you know, this is where, yeah, we have all these passes that are going air and we have all these horrible, sloppy play in the backfield. Um, and then you can almost look at every goal that we've given up this year and just think, well, that didn't have to happen. Um, there's only been a few really good quality goals against us this year, and a lot of things that just didn't have to happen. And those nail segue into our Dawson. Segue into our Dawson nail on the head, but, Mike. Absolute nail you. on the head. Like every single goal this season has been our own downfall. It's just a, a constant. Um, I miss- mean, the Villa goal was class. pretty good. <laughs> right then, we'll get a one-one. But other than that, it's been our fault. It's just absolutely. Uh, shambolic at times and no matter who you put in there whether it's a young guy an experienced guy whatever formation we're still screwing up and that's down to drilling the players and, and being focused um i mean how how else can you do that yeah i mean i go back to the west Brom game where we where i was on here talking about that was the best 88 and a half minutes of soccer we've played all year I keep saying soccer. I apologize. Best 88 and a half minutes of football we played all year, but there was those that focus just drifted away on defense, and boom, it happens. The only difference between us and Borough in that game was that their defense don't make silly errors. Uh, other that, than that's that, that's an important difference. Yeah, other than that, they weren't any better than us going forward. That back four they have is the best in the league. I'll give them that, okay? Even though Ayala is a complete dirty knobhead. Again, uh, very important. Sh- Not the dirtiness <laughs> necessarily, but the organization at the back. Shotton, Flint, and George Friend are a different class, right? I mean, 
we would kill for any of those players in our team. They are several points above any of our defenders. Um, so and Pulis has gone drilled. They won't. They don't make mistakes like we do. Um, they're just a very solid team to break down. Whereas I thought Yoss was supposed to bring discipline to this team, and the discipline is getting worse every game at the moment. I mean, that was the model, right? When they brought in Yas, was this sort of like Tony Pulis model where it might not have been the most exciting brand of football, but a guy that knows how to get out of the second division and will drill you into an organized defensive unit, which was certainly something we needed uh, around this time last year. And, you know, for all the weird lineup machinations, uh, you know, sitting several tenured senior players for hashtag reasons and... Some somewhat ponderous use of or un, not use non-use of substitutions if they were getting the you know if they look better at the back at this point their improvements in the defense i think you could forgive a lot of that but when it's not working you start looking like at the squad and being like you know if it's not working why isn't westwood here why isn't hutch here you know why is jordan rhodes out on loan i think there is certainly a little bit of of stubbornness in the way he's sort of continued to set up and try and play. And if you don't win game, that's when those questions start getting asked, right? I mean, before the international break, we were playing these players and we were getting wins, so no one's asking those questions. But the second we start losing games, and um, I wouldn't say we necessarily played that much worse in the losses than we have in the um, in the wins, to be honest with you. We've just been more clinical up front and not made as many areas at the back. Um, we haven't really like put on a masterclass in any game yet. Um, it's just that we've been a little bit more focused at the back sometimes. Um, I, I just the the, the fans will, will only care about results in a day, and that's what Yossel's going to be judged on. So I don't know. I don't. I, I just think first of all, I'm gonna, I'm kind of going to defend Yossel a little bit. He is trying to get something to work out of what he's been given, and what he's been given at the back at least is is not a great deal. You have got a lot of youth, which making a lot of mistakes. You've got uh, a, 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 someone that should be in the peak of his game who's just, I don't know what's happened to Dunleys. The slow and painful downfall of him is just just terrible to watch. And that second goal um, was just kind of at the peak. Uh, not peak, the, the, the trough, I hope. <laughs> I hope he bottoms out and that's coming back up again now because he's not been good for a while now. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's shocking. I know he wasn't, great last year he's had some injury issues here and there over the last two seasons really but i mean we'll come on to the qpr game but i thought you know pudiel and hector made a much better center back pairing um especially for the way that i think yas wants to play i mean the qpr game also fell apart in its own (laughs) maddening way but i thought for the first like 25 30 minutes we looked a lot better we looked more comfortable playing out from the back, you know, Pudil and Hector seem much more comfortable with the ball at their feet, moving forward. You know, it helped that they had Onama and Pelopassi that could drop back if they were making a run, but it just looked more like the style that Yas wanted to play. I mean, the end product wasn't there, and then the defensive lapses came fast and furious after about a half hour. But at least gave, I think, gave you a, a look into what he's trying to do. But again, he's changing personnel, you know, from a you know, three or a five at the back to a four at the back, and nothing seems to work for him. So it just ends up looking like flailing from the outside. And I will say that even when we were winning and getting results, uh, you know, this sort of these sort of maddening lapses at the back were still an issue. And I just think, you know, you can outplay them when you have Adam Reach and Barry Bannon hitting 35 yarders for fun. But when those dry up, uh, it gets harder to sort of outscore your mistakes with the squad that he has. Yeah, and that that goal, right? So he had three people um, to pass to, uh, no one on them. He had all the time in the world. We weren't under pressure, and they're just dawdles. And it's not a one-off, and it's not just Tom Lee's does this either. The amount of times we almost get caught at the back because we're just dawdling on the ball, it happened loads against QPR. It's like we don't learn. This, this this passing from the back, we mentioned it about a million times in this season so far. It doesn't work for our, our defenders. We're not that good at passing. And when you change the midfield every week and they're not in the right places or they're not in the places they expect them to be and there's no support for defenders, that's why you get these misplaced passes. That's why you get Tom Lee's like 
just having some kind of brain fart and just like almost like a robot that's just got misprogrammed yeah. and just stops and just goes backwards. The the Tom Lee's back test that just looked like he I mean looked like he was expecting somebody and and his own team to to be there and it was just it was just appalling. But I mean to me that was merely I think I'm just kind of reiterating what Patty just said. It's just an exaggerated version of a lot of passes that we see where it's kind of in between two players and either those players are five yards apart and they one of them can compensate or they're too far apart and we lose the ball. Um, you know it works in the NFL when you see the wrong guy and you know the wrong guy on the correct team grabs the ball that's intended for somebody else but um, it just looks awful and it's really becoming more and more apparent here I think uh, you know, one of the ways Wednesday's covers for this is Barry Bannon like he can and this is also true in the QPR game he can just put himself about you know make the easy pass run a little bit get it back you know he throws in the Hollywood balls that you know lead to our few scoring chances in the in the QPR game but you know he's only one person and you know if he's not having a worldly of a game the whole sort of midfield falls apart because I think you know Pelopesi isn't that kind of you know box-to-box type player you know Onama is still adjusting to the system and you know reach is really more of a forward player at this point you know you almost look like they're playing more of a more of a 4-3-3 in the qpr game but even uh you know in the 5-3-2 or 3-5-2 however you want to describe it he's the guy pushing forward um now can't really quibble with reach because he did another adam reach patty (laughs) almost made it interesting I mean, he pretty much did make it interesting. I mean, I had to leave the football factory to take my uh, parents to um, to the airport. I was talking two hours of traffic uh, on the way from uh, Midtown to Newark. And, uh, yeah, so I obviously saw the goal afterwards. But what a strike that was. On his bad foot. I mean, his bad foot's better than most people's good foot. And it's just obscene at this moment where every, whenever he gets a ball, he's expected to score. And so far, he's been doing pretty good for it, too. Um, it's just a... Shot at nothing. I mean, it's a clearance from the guy in defence uh, up in the air. Decides, okay, I'll have a bash at this, and it just goes straight in the uh, the top corner. So it almost fair play like to him. I, I assume he did it on purpose, but it almost seemed like he shanked it. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of the angle it took in. At this point, anything he does, he does on purpose. Yeah, yeah, I have sure. no qualms about anything he does. So that almost breathed a little bit of life into the game. Once they were better for the last twenty minutes, there was some sense of urgency. Yas didn't really make the kind of offensive substitutions you'd want down 2-0 or 2-1. And then they get one corner at the death, a pretty good whip ball in, a pylon at the back corner. Should Wednesday have gotten a penalty? I'm going to say no. Unfortunately, I've, nev- it's only I've fit- never seen this given, ever. No, it's, it's only fitting that Tom Lees was the one closest to the ball and, you know... Not going to say should have or could have knocked it in, but you know if you do follow American football, this reminds me of the Bush push, which happened in the uh, the USC Notre Dame game several years ago, where you actually had a player, you had a a Burrow player inside the goal pushing against his own player to keep yeah. the ball out. It was, it was fantastic. Exactly like, exactly like, I liked it. Basically, it was exactly like running back trying to get her into red zone, right? So, again, lots of NFL references today. I wrote the exact same thing, Mike. It was like. Was it was it Flint that was pushing the other defender away from the goal line as like there's a pile in front of him? It was just it was crazy. I didn't like it. And I'm going to give Lee's the benefit of doubt here because he got a, a basically punched to the face of Mayala as he was going towards the ball, and you could see he was actually like taken aback by it. He kind of like put his hands up in the air, then realised that the ball landed at his feet. And by that point, there was three middle people laying on top of the ball, which is illegal. So if it wasn't for the punch in the face or the people jumping on top of the ball. There should have been a penalty there. So I think it should definitely be a penalty. The, the ref would never give it, of course. It would just be a, a, a scramble. It often too fast. So he just decided to write it off and play on. No no harm, no no foul. But, I mean, to me, that was a penalty. I just, like, and I know, you know, he's got sort of pulled and cuffed a little bit at the back corner. But that's just, you're never going to get that call in that kind of situation at the death of the game unless it's like a nailed-on penalty or Mike Dean's involved, basically. <laughs> the thing is, though, there was very little. I mean, there's a little bit of um, appeals from us, but I mean, yeah, Tom Tom Lee just got whacked in the face. He did. And then yeah. he saw everything that happened. So at least go up to the ref and go, "You're our captain, for God's sake." Go up to the ref and explain what happened, and try and get something out of it. What else do you got to lose? But it just Lee's is just the meekest captain I mean we've ever had. 
he's, he's, we want Captain to be blood and thunder and to shout. He barely says a word. He just puts his head down and gets on with it. And I don't know how... I hope he's better in the dressing room, like away from the cameras where we don't see it. And I know he's very kind of a model kind of gentleman kind of guy, but he's not a leader on the pitch. Uh, and we need that at the moment. We need someone to get his heads up and to, to organise. And he's not doing any of it. It's just... It's, it's, he needs to, he needs to um, get that armband off him straight away. Well, they got the armband off of him for QPR because he was uh, dropped from the squad, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a good uh, segue, that. Um, yeah. So Another roster makeover. Yeah. And, I mean, this happened, right? So what, last time we went to QPR away, right? We had some defensive change, from what I recall, and in the first 25 minutes, we were letting three goals, and there was a bit of a shit show. Um, that game ended 4-2, I believe. Um, so we kind of had a bit of a, a, a rally towards the end. So it was almost very similar in that, in that sense without the rally. Um, but I'm going to say for the first 25, 30 minutes, we actually looked much better without Leeds there, as you said earlier on. I think Hector has been one of the best signings in the last couple of years. Uh, he looked a different gravy yesterday. Um, yesterday. Uh, he's commanding. He puts himself about. He can pass, although he's let a few <laughs> a few ones go straight sometimes too. Uh, but he was everywhere against QPI in that first half an hour. And I don't think really you can... I mean, there's a couple of things you can say you blame him for, but overall, he was by far our best player on Tuesday. Um, and like I say, Poodle put himself about too. He passes much better from the back than Lees does. If we're going with a four at the back... Then I'd rather have Poodle and Hector in centre half than Lee's, I'm afraid. Yeah, I agree. I almost, uh, you know, in commiseration with our, our colleague Evan, you know, it's one of those things we're almost tempted. At the first 25, 30 minutes of this game, we're almost tempted to tweet out how amazing Wednesday looked. Um, but yeah, I do think that, that Hector, um, Hector and Fudil, they just, um, that's where we want to be right now. Uh, we can talk about lineup changes in a moment, but um, yeah, I'm. I'm thrilled with the way Hector's been. It's a great addition. Can we talk about right the <laughs> the perception of being a, of playing well, but not actually doing much with it, right? So, so I think for the first half an hour, we must have had eighty percent of possession, uh, and people saying, "Wow, look at us passing it around," but we didn't really do anything with it, and. It's, it's very easy to pass it around and keep possession when you're in your own half and there's no pressure on you. It's when you're trying to go forward and penetrate this McLaren defence, which has come from nowhere, as far as I'm aware, uh, that he suddenly has organised like two banks of four, which is just impenetrable for most of the game. And we just looked like we had no ideas. We had no, no one moving forward. We had no one making runs. And yes, we could pass it back and forth and sideways. So was... Was Baker the one who was playing out to the right? I believe yeah, in the first half. And, I mean, back. so there were there were three specific sequences. I mean, one of them ended with a Baker cross. I uh, know, actually, it was an out of reach cross, and there was zero people in front. Of, there was zero zero people in front of the goal. Um, yeah, so you're right. It's almost it's like our like our ninety percent rule. <laughs> yeah, There's this other one where that ended. It kind of another long sequence lasted several minutes. Ended with you know Bannon taking a shot from way outside range, and then this other one, the the worst one, the one that got to me was um, you know Shao ends up with the ball, and does this horrible pass to Leggett. It's an okay pass to to Nuyu's wrong foot, and he can't convert on that. And again, lot, lots of passing, no conversion. So. But then, you know, of all those, though, only one of those countered as an actual shot on target. Yeah, I just feel like it was... If this is Joss's tactics to play this way, they, he needs runners up top. He needs people who can hold it up, bring people into the game, and then pass it on. Joao and Atty were not doing that on Tuesday. I don't think Joao can do that. I know, I know Atty can do this. I think he was pretty good when he came on against uh, Burr on Friday. But Joao is not a 90 minutes person for me now. He's, a, he's an impact sub. Because if he's in for 90 minutes, the amount of passes he gets to him and loses the ball is... It was pretty much almost 100% on, uh, on, on Tuesday. He just cannot keep the ball. Even if you give him with the back towards goal and just a simple layoff, he'll lose it. If he goes on a run, 
nine times out of ten, he'll lose it. And that's what's happening too often on Tuesday. And Atty was next to useless as well, useless as well on Tuesday. He can do much better. Um, but they're just getting no support. There was no hold-up play, and there was just nothing going forward whatsoever. I'll admit I turned this game off after the second goal. I think usually I make it through even the worst Wednesday <laughs> games, but that might have been when Damien put in our WhatsApp group. This is usually when I rage quit FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, it wasn't, like, I don't know. The first goal was a little bit unlucky because it was sort of a weird bounce off a deflection, sort of 50-50 coming together, and Pudil just got, let his man beat him to the ball. You know, Fox could have been maybe a little quicker on the the follow-up, but I can't even really say anything too bad about Morgan Fox. He was fine in this game, which I think tells you how the rest of the team performed. Um, and then the second goal was just, you know, lining up in the box for a free header, essentially. And I'm reliably yeah, they, informed they actually, there was a third one. Yeah, they actually didn't have, um, you know, we, we had numbers on that second goal. They just put executed a really nice attack and got that header, a very clean header in there. Um, but, the, they, yeah, the first goal, you know, we talked earlier about are any of these goals are our faults or how many of these goals were our I'm doing. I think that yes, that first goal, Dawson hit it out. I think it, he he made a fine save. It just they got a lucky rebound, so that was they 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 earned that first goal. But the second one, I think that was really very predictable. The thing that stands out to me is like does that second goal? We never score goals like that. Like just a simple cross and beat a guy for a header, or you know something off a set piece. We don't score we don't, off corners. It's just and like our delivery isn't always the best, but we have players that can deliver the ball well. We don't have strikers. <laughs> yeah. you out aren't strikers. Uh, Fletcher is a striker, but he needs four opportunities to get in the back of the net. Um, I mean, Axi is the absolute opposite of a goal poacher. Uh, there's two occasions uh, in that match on Tuesday where. Uh, I could have been in the right place at the right time to put my toe on the end of it and get a, a goal. There was a chance in the second half where Joao gets a glancing header and it was, looked like it might have gone in the bottom corner, but actually New Year's there and somehow, from three centimetres out, his feet stopped moving forward. All he had to do was run into it and, and pull it over the, the line. His feet stopped moving forward and just stopped and planted himself and then he fell over and the ball just went wide between him and the post. It's just he's got zero instinct, and several times a couple of uh, uh, crosses went across the six-yard box, and there's just nobody there, or he was two yards behind the the play. That that's inexcusable. That's something that you can't really teach uh, a striker. You're either there or you're not. And <laughs> it was we'll come to this later as well, obviously. But uh, both of those chances, Jordan Rose would have been there and put him away. Uh, and like he did against, uh, like he did for Norwich that same night. <laughs> Who is this Jordan Rhodes you speak of? <laughs> well, Mike, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Someone on this agenda wrote, "Stand out. Were there any positives? I don't have any, so you two can jump in." <laughs> I'm let Mike go first. I've got a couple positives out of this, but Mike, you go. I only have the same backhanded positive that I had for the uh, Brentford game, which was. Maybe this will. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's, it's unfortunate. This is our first back-to-back losses, I think, since last spring. Um, and I was completely optimistic that Yoss had some, mass, you know, nice formulas for tinkering with the team after a loss. But no, I, I don't have the positive for this. Um, I hate midweek games. And um, there we go. Please, Patty, tell us the positives. I genuinely think Joe Pelopresi is now a good player, um, and I. Th- think he's had two of his best performances in two of our worst performances <laughs> which is i don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing um he's upped his pace by about a million percent since the first six months he started playing for us he now knows the pace of the championship okay he's put himself about his winning challenges even if that wasn't what he used to do people could tell me he's an attacking midfielder i've never really seen him be an attacking midfielder myself um what he's been asked to do for us is be a defensive midfielder and i feel like he's he's finally getting to that now he's he's putting stuff about he's winning tackles and he's passing the ball to better players and i think against qpr and borough i think he was very good um 
So I'm going to stop slating him now and wondering what he gives to the team. I think I know he gives to the team now. I think he's upped his game. The second positive from this, uh, and I think we mentioned it already, but Michael Hector uh, was, again, very, very good for most of this game. Again, some of his passing was a little bit uh, astray, but then again, so was the entire team. Um, but he was winning everything. It's it's a, it's appalling that we lost 3-0 and to have a centre-half that played as well as that. Because obviously it's a team game, but still, Hector, I think, is going to be one of our best players this season. Uh, if we could clone him for four people and put them on the back, we'd be fine. <laughs> After another game with a non-clean sheet, shipping three goals, five for the week, the Twitter Fuhrer has turned its attention to surprise number one choice goalkeeper Cameron Dawson. Is he as bad as Wednesdayites on the tweet box might have you believe, Patty? Uh, no, he's not. Simple answer to that. He's not, and it really surprised me that this was the game they decided to take him to task and to always pin the entire performance on his performance. I don't think really there's much you could have done for either of those three goals. People were saying that he should be palming out shots out of danger. That was a good save. Just get a hand on it. That's all I want him to do. The fact they went out to attack us oncoming, that's not his fault. It was a good first save. Do I think he flaps at crosses? Definitely. Do I think Westwood's a better keeper? Yes. But he's a young kid, and he wasn't at blame for yesterday's three goals. Um, there's been a few times been to blame for goals, definitely. But the, the amount of angry tweets trying to get out and that Westwood, if Westwood, if Westwood's here, it would solve all our problems. It's bullshit. Westwood's not going to stop us, um, like, yeah. shipping three goals against QPR. Westwood's not going to make us... Um, uh, move faster up top. He's not going to make us um, complete more passes in midfield. He's not going to do any of those things. It's just, uh, it's just complete like pitchforks, and it's just ridiculous. Yep. I mean, as we were talking about just 20 minutes ago, every one of our goals this year. Okay, fine. 90% of our goals this year, you can look at. I even have in my notes here that the third goal against QPR was another giveaway in the backfield. So. Um, yeah, unless there's some magic leadership where you know the leadership vacuum that you know we're missing with with Tom Lee's is is there, and maybe as I don't remember ever hearing that Westwood is some amazing defensive leader back there that can hold things together, but no, this is not on the goalkeeper at all. I do think that there is an issue with putting a completely inexperienced championship keeper coming into the season behind this, you know rotating at best shambolic at worst back line um i don't think dawson offers much at this point in his career other than being a decent shot shot stopper i don't think his positioning is great i don't think his decision making uh is always great um you know wild smith and westwood are just more experienced at this level and like the the decision to bench kieran westwood you're going to sell kieran westwood because of ffp reasons in the summer it's totally reasonable you didn't get an offer you liked sending him out on loan to another championship side to, with maybe an eye towards William in January. Totally reasonable. Um, you know, this is the keeper that got this team to the playoffs twice, set clean sheet records, um, was our player of the year at one point. At, I don't know what he did. Now, I know he's been hurt. He may not be able to play a full you know, 46 fixtures over the course of the season. He might miss a month here or there. But that's why you have the depth of, of, of Wild Smith and Dawson. It just, it, no, do I think that it would solve all our problems? I do not. But I think it's another sort of, like, baffling decision that, you know, it's, I just get the impression that Yas doesn't like to, he has his way of doing things and doesn't like to admit that he might have been wrong here. I don't think it does Dawson any favors at this point either. You're probably right, and I think Yoth has some stubborn, some stubborn in him, definitely. Um, but we've seen him bring out other people that he's put his money behind. We've seen him change by every other position. Uh, I mean, the defense was completely different at the beginning of the season than it was after the third game. Um, this seems to be something else. Now, we've heard rumors about uh, 
uh, Westwood's attitude uh, and being a bit of a kind of upsetting the, 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 the dressing room. That's what we don't know, okay? I'm not debating the fact that Westwood isn't worthy of being our number one. I'm debating that Dawson's at fault for all of our problems right now, <laughs> which is not the case. Uh, and I think Westwood should be number one, okay? Until we sell him, he should be number one. Uh, but we don't know all the backroom stuff, so that's why we trusted Yoss at the beginning of this. Unfortunately, I do think now he has to kind of backtrack and get Westwood back in. From 6th to 14th in a week, we'll see where we are next week. See how many other players have been rotated out for Birmingham. But for now, take a break and we come back. We'll cover not any more uplifting Wednesday news. Now it's time for your weekly Wednesday injury update, and boy is it a doozy coming out of the international break. Yas announced that Fernando Forestieri had picked up a hamstring issue and will miss a few weeks of action. Uh, Sam Winnell got a route for the under-23s, his second such, but also picked up a uh, leg issue and will be resting for a few weeks from that. And... I think we maybe already suspected this, but Gary Hooper and Kieran Lee will miss the rest of 2018. Hmm. Does seem like with all these uh, injuries to attacking players, we could use a uh, proven goal (laughs) scorer at this level, Patty. Up front, maybe. I'm not pulling. I'm not hitting that switch yet. I mean, y'all know that. It's next right, on the agenda, it. so do you want to just talk about the injuries? <laughs> I mean, none of this is... I guess the Forestieri uh, injury is unfortunate. Um, you know, he's exactly the kind of player I think you could have used uh, in the Middlesbrough and QPR game. You know, especially against Middlesbrough, he's the kind of guy that can unlock a well-organized defense by just being a pest. But, you know, the Hooper and Lee setbacks are not a huge surprise. You know, Winnell was going to take some time to round back into form anyway. I don't know how much you're counting on Sam Winnell. But it's just, you know, this, these fitness issues are now sort of stretching on into their, into their second year. And it's not just, uh, you know, players like, you know, Hooper and Fletcher that are maybe a little bit further on in their careers. It's, you know, it's, I mean, Winnell's injury was a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a freak thing and wasn't, well, he was a Wednesday player, but even sort of like these like younger players that should be entering their prime don't seem to be uh, able to stay fit. It's just a bit of a shot to the stomach, isn't it, really? And this week, it's been pretty miserable. And then it starts with the, this news of Winnell and Forrest. Yeah, people were getting excited about Winnell again. I mean, he was um, doing, he was tracking pretty well as far as injury recovery. And with our forwards not really firing on all cylinders... Winnell was a little bit of hope that we carried along with us. And having Forestieri back, obviously, everyone loves Forestieri. So those little nuggets and setbacks just make, it sets the tone for the week. And when you struggle in front of goal like we have the past two games, it just really kind of hits you. And it's uh, it's just pretty shitty this week, isn't it, really? Shall we just go on to uh, next week? <laughs> it's just... Uh, Shit, so and then I mean the whole Jordan Rhodes thing. Let's go. Let's talk about Jordan Rhodes, right? So Jordan Rhodes scores two uh, wins again for Norwich, same night as we lose three 0 to Norwich. And we've got Ati Nuyu and and Joao up front. Great. I'm glad Rhodes is scoring. We spoke about it before. Rhodes, if he scores, great. We can sell him for better. If he scores and stays with us, hopefully he's a better player. But to put it in perspective, this is his first goals in the championship since the mid-August. He's not been a goal scoring machine for Norwich. I don't think he's playing. I don't think he's playing full full matches. He gets the odd game here and there. Um, so two goals in a match. Whoopie do. He's scoring yeah. twenty goals uh, in the season. Then I can start be excited. In, in the same way I look at Jordan Rowe, it's the same way I look at the entry reports. And I think you know we have this vision that Gary Hooper is going to just come walking in one day and just be. Harry Hooper in his prime and, and start knocking in goals. But, you know, same same as Jordan Rhodes didn't do that for us. Uh, you know, we just got to, you know, take a step back and, and do it. But, I mean, you, you think a fully fit Gary Hooper and a fully fit Jordan Rhodes 
doing what they do best against QPR would have just been, you know, unreal. Um, but that's not where we are right now, and that's not that's not reality anymore. So we just need to um, bide through this. Um, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. I had the, the live table going, watching the QPR game and just seeing Norwich battle back. I think it was it Villa they were playing. Um, and just seeing them, them battle back was just really disconcerting. And now it's time for some dispatches from American soccer. We keep not being able to talk about the Columbus crew stuff because Evan is like just never on the show. He's like a 21 Pilots concert or something tonight. That's his excuse. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah he's posting stuff on pilots, Facebook. But... Going to see 21 Pilots, yeah. Oh, man, that is bad. He posted a picture of him seeing them, like, in Bluffton, I guess, many years ago or something. They were just starting out. And it's just, like, the most, like, he just has this, like, thousand-yard stare behind the drummer. It's hilarious. Is it, it, are they, like, an emo band, 21 Pilots? I don't know what they are. I'm I'm in my 30s now, Patty. I don't listen to new music. They're not even that new, but (laughs) I know they had that one song. Oh, good. That I've heard. I hope they've got more than one song before. I mean, they probably do. I'm just saying. I just hate their name. The name annoys me. It's all in capitals too, isn't it? Twenty-one pilots, all in capitals. It's entirely possible. Sure, yeah. It's a fancy acronym for something. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, playoffs, right? Yeah. MLS. DC United's going to be in it, Patty. They are, and uh, our friend Wayne Rooney um, is literally hauling them from the bottom of the table up to playoff contenders, which is quite a feat, seeing as DC United were the worst team in the league about 15 games ago. Um, So I just wanted to take my hat off to Rooney, because I said it's great to hate Wayne Rooney again, because obviously a Red Bulls fan, DC United are our rivals. Uh, But all respect to you, he's been fantastic. And you've probably seen, everyone listening has probably seen some of his highlights some free kicks he's done. He's just basically doing everything for DC. Um, and it's kind of making a bit of a mockery of MLS in the process. Um, but still, it's, it, I, I can't help but kind of like it. What do you think, Mike, as an American? No, it, it's that backhanded compliment right there. Of like he, He's so amazing, and then you realize like how much people were trashing him in his final years in United um, and his, his half year, his year at Everton. Uh, that yeah, he came here and he lights it up. You want to believe he found the fountain of youth and that this is Wayne Rooney in his prime, but then you realize maybe the competition really isn't that good. But no, it's the energy, the level of energy that it brings and the highlight reel that he's built has just been fantastic. So um, kudos to them. And um, again, I, I poo-pooed the move as well. I thought it was all just to, to sell tickets to the new arena, but um, good on them and, and great, great for him. I mean, it does mean that we might get a DC United versus Red Bulls in the uh, semifinals. So I will be much happier if Rebels um, hammer DC. And uh, like we did really when they came to Red Bull Arena too. So uh, I'm all for him bringing them to the uh, playoffs as long as they don't upset Rebels in the semifinals. How are you so, guys doing, by the way, Mike? Because you guys are also in uh, the Western side of the conference. Uh, and yeah, so in the playoffs out too, West... Right? Yeah, so uh, Portland has clinched, and we are currently in fifth. I believe we are, yeah, so we're at 54 points. Um, first place team is at 59 points, and then you got two teams at 57, 57, and then 56 points. So there is a lot going on in the last weekend. Um, similar to the, uh, and the, the women's league, it looks like the Thorns in the, uh, Portland and Seattle are, are going to be uh, playing in the first, uh, whatever you call this, first game. Um, if it's a play-in game or what, um, just a question of who's hosting who. Although Seattle does have a slim chance where they could actually leap out of into the top two and get that by. So um, it's been very. I, again, I, I I love and hate the MLS's playoff structure. I think it's a little bit too generous, um, but I think that's kind of what the American audience needs in order to keep interest for as many teams as possible as late in the season. But um, most teams out west have been chasing Dallas all season, and they've uh, ended up dropping their last two games, and they've they're now back in third place. So um, it is quite exciting. And um, as much as we, we love to uh, pick on the MLS, I think that, you know, that, that, that I think this is probably the best playoff structure they can have. So out, out East, is the, is it all set or all the, the six teams in, or are there still some, there's still some ruminations, right? So I think crew and Montreal are still battling for the sixth place spot in the East. Uh, I think that's the only thing. I think DC have confirmed already. 
I have no idea what's going on in the West Conference. So yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's LA Galaxy is one spot out, and if you don't think that the MLS wants Laton in the playoffs, then um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if the fix is in this weekend. <laughs> uh, it's the last. It's the last uh, game of the regular season this weekend, and Rebels are one point behind uh, Atlanta, and they need to win, obviously, uh, against our old friends Sean McCauley and James O'Connor. Who are coming to New York this weekend? We tried to um, get them together, but obviously it's the last game in Orlando City's uh, season. Uh, they have not had a good season. They need a big job to do next season, Sean and Jock. So I wish them all the best for next season. Uh, not all the best for this Sunday. I hope they uh, roll over and Red Bulls get at least five goals against them. I have a, a brief addendum here because I just was scrolling through our Owls America's Twitter feed. I see that uh, Providence City FC has a wonderful kit. It's uh, aquamarine, I think, is technically the shade of green that it is. Um, it has a big donut in the center because they're sponsored by uh, Providence Donuts. What league is that? USL, I think. Actually, it might be the... Okay, it's the BSSL and FA1. They're the ones that ripped off St. Paolo. It looks like they've got a big skull and crossbones. Is there? Um, yes. Is there okay. Uh, They're going for the the badass. Oh, yeah. I just seen that. Actually, yeah, I really do like that kit. Actually, it's really good. Did, did I not see today that MLS is going to add another um, like armband advertising or something? Armband. Yeah, not an armband, but a patch on the arm on the sleeve. Uh, going to add some more advertising. Oh, really? That sucks. More more real estate on the kit. So. We'll go. We end up like Mexican league in a in a while. We just basically walk advertising board. Yeah. Well, that's whatever. our dispatches. American soccer. We've we've just getting very excited. Me and Mike because it's the MLS end of season, and both of our teams are doing quite well. Much better than Sheffield Wednesday. So we have to have some kind of joy in our lives, don't we? Well, the f- fixtures come fast and furious in the championship, and we head to Saturday's game at Birmingham. We haven't lost in nine somehow, Patty? Apparently so, yeah. I mean, Birmingham are probably the least uh, visible team on my radar. I really don't give two shits about Birmingham. Uh, and I, we're hate using going to two... the, I hate going to Birmingham. It's like a... I don't know if it's actually like a bogey place for them, but it always feels like it to me. Yeah, it's just... just I don't really care. So the fact that they're on an unbeaten streak is quite surprising. And I've seen them get a few good results recently. And it doesn't really fill me with confidence for the, uh, for the game on Saturday. Um, so I can't, I mean, we haven't really done a great deal of uh, research on this game, so I can't see us beating Birmingham. Can anyone else see us beating Birmingham at the moment? I told you the era of cautious optimism is over. So, uh, <laughs> our road form hasn't long, been great. How long would that era we last? Hmm? How long would that era last? Uh, one week. Well, we had the intestinal breaks, so maybe that was three weeks. All right, technically. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go for, uh, predictions-wise, we're going to lose 2-1. I'm going to go 1-0. We're going to lose. Sorry. Uh, let's say 2-1, a late consolation goal when Reach hits like a Paneka or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any meetups for this probable Wednesday loss, Patty? Yes, we do. Uh, we've got one in New Orleans and we've got one in New York. Um, New Orleans is a slightly different venue than usual. It's at Mimi's. Uh, New York is the usual place, Football Factory. We've got a few other things going on as well at the moment in um, the whole Owls Americas um, groups. So I want to say a big congratulations to everyone that's arranged meetups over the past few weeks. Um, when we're on TV now, we get around like six cities um, that go to the bars. So we spoke about this before, but I want to just make everyone aware that we've got a city. Um, so we've got a bar now in Orlando called the Harp and Kelt, which shows all of our ESPN Plus games. Uh, there's a bar that's doing things regularly now in San Francisco. That's McTeague Saloon. Uh, also got Portland and Mike here. Um, we've got uh, LA. I've got a bar. Just look on alsamericas.com. Um, these guys have been doing really good meetups, really good things the last few weeks uh, while we've had these big TV games. 
uh, and there'll be more and more games announced and meetups announced over the next few weeks, especially for the Sheffield United game, which is happening on the 9th of November. And our friend Evan wanted us to give us a big shout out. He's going to do a Ohio slash Midwest Owls meetup in the Hoot Suite slash Sex Basement. Uh, and he will be showing the, the Sheffield United game. Oh, wait, he told me not to say Sex Basement, didn't he? Sorry. The Hoot Suite is where we're meeting up, um, which is his house, if you didn't know. And they'll be showing the All Wednesday film afterwards on Evan's big projector too. So if you're in the Ohio, Buffton, Ohio, Cincinnati area, give Evan a shout at Ohio Owl uh, and let him know that you want to come and join him in the Who Suite on 9th of November for the Shipping Night game. This has been episode 43 of the Owls AmeriCast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find and follow us on twitter at owlsamericas our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites Reverend and the Makers the podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts there's no wrong way to listen to the show just do what feels right Wherever you consume Owls AmeriCast, we ask you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, uh, can you at least leave our listeners with a little bit of optimism? Um, yes, we are three points from the playoffs, and everyone in the championship is shit, like us. So, lots of uh, room for optimism. Don't worry, everyone else is shit. That's, uh, honestly, exactly what I was looking for, probably. Mike Laroon is on Twitter at Mike Laroon. Mike, how about some of that sunny West Coast optimism? Fall has hit the Pacific Northwest, so um, it's my favorite season here. It's just starting to rain and drizzle. Um, <laughs> MLS playoffs. MLS playoffs are uh, ten days away, so that's also something to get excited about. And um, as Patty says, everyone in the championship is shit. So stay tuned. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. I mean, I guess I'll be watching the Birmingham City game instead of doing the last bit of like yard work and leaf mulching because I need something to talk about when we see you again next week. <laughs>